You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. i to get all my pieces ready. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Uh, I am excited. That is uh, Easter. That's a little taste of what we have for Easter. We have this really cool creative production, and uh, um, Hannah got her just dreamy husband to sing in the desert. And uh, if you uh, if you saw my social media post and were like, "What? What is this empty grave business?" Don't worry, we didn't lose a staff member. Um, <laughs> we uh, we're, we do, we're doing something pretty cool for Easter that I'm really excited about. So. I want to encourage you uh, to do a very simple task that it might have been a year since since you have flexed this muscle, but it's called bring your friends to church to hear about the hope and healing of Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Amen? Amen. Uh, we're doing three services on Easter. Uh, we're going to do 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So I want to encourage you. Uh, you are the middle service. You're the last service crowd now. So I'm going to make you choose a different service. So uh, 8.30, 10, or 11.30. I really encourage you, if you serve, uh, please uh, serve on your team faithfully on that day. This is a really important day for us here at Banner Church because we have people from all walks of life uh, come in normally. But on Easter, there's just something special about God calling to his children. And so we want to be just prepared for what God wants to do. Um, if you're a person who likes a social distance, I really want to encourage you. That's also one of the reasons we have three services, because um, everybody, our church is larger now than it's ever been, even though the weekly attendance might not look like that uh, in this very unique season. The weekly attendance uh, looks and it fluctuates rapidly. If you notice that, some of you come to second service, like 120 people, and some days there's like 60, depending on what the news told everybody that week, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, so if everybody comes, like, we got to make more room, make more space. So if you're concerned about social distancing, I really want to encourage you, go to the either the 830 or the 1130 service, because the 10, by the nature of where it sits, will be the most full. So just, that's looking out for you. We will continue uh, to have the opportunity to social distance, and we want you to be here and be online. So... Um, should be good. Next week, we're doing uh, our leadership lunch, like Katie mentioned, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, oftentimes, when we talk about leadership, people say, oh, I, I'm not really a, a leader. I, is that for me? I don't lead a team or anything. Like, no, it, it's not about um, are you a leader? Do you want to come? It's about us uh, wanting to invest into you uh, as an individual to be better led by God, to lead yourself better, and to be able to lead others better. Are you with me? So the, the word leadership kind of hits us weird. Some of you, you like it, some of you don't. But maybe the word investment might, might, might stir your heart better. So I, we want to invest into you as your pastors to encourage you uh, with tools and, and spiritual disciplines to lead yourself and, and lead others better, believing that as you grow, you will also invest into others, right? the natural process. So we're going to be talking about all kinds of things, talk about a holistic spirituality, talking, really addressing different parts of ourselves, right? Um, the intellect, the emotions, um, our spiritual health, all these different parts of, of who we are. So we're going to talk about core values. We're going to talk about goal setting. We're going to help you uh, develop principles uh, and a rule for life. We're going to talk about biblical interpretation. We're going to talk about um, how we study scripture and meditate on the word of God. We're going to talk about uh, the Holy Spirit, and uh, how do we live daily with the Holy Spirit? We're talking about what are the gifts of the Spirit, and, and how does that uh, manifest in the church and in your daily life? So we're going to take, we're going to go every other week for like months just teaching. So the, the first step I want to encourage you, the first step to you developing as a good leader of yourself is to go online and sign up. One, we want to know how much food to get. Two, we want to know if there's child care. And it's a good practice. Here's the very first leadership lesson. Say you're going to do something and then do it. Right? Give people your commitment, not your apologies. Right? Say you're going to do it and do it. So I really want to encourage you. It's going to be fun. We are really, really excited about it. Uh, I love to teach, and so I want to give you that opportunity. We're going to be inviting different people to share as well, uh, but it should be really good. So be there next week. Go online today. Even right now, you can pull out your phone. Go online, sign up, sign up on the Church Center app, and uh, it's going to be a good time. But 
Uh, we are in our series called uh, Better Blessing on the Beatitudes. Have you enjoyed the series so far? Good, good. Um, we are in all the way to verse 8 of Matthew chapter 5 and uh, deep into uh, the Beatitudes, into blessed, verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. A couple interesting phrases there, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You ever just read scripture and you kind of move on to the next thing, but then you go back and you're like, wait, what does that actually mean in my life? What does it mean to see God? And what does it look like to actually be pure in heart? What does it actually look like to have a pure heart? You know, in the series we talked about, we started with uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize the state of their heart and recognize the deep need for God in their life. And then blessed are those who, who mourn, who say, man, I, I'm, I'm recognized as I mourn over the state of sin, for they will be comforted. We know we're comforted by the Lord and by the coming of Jesus Christ. And then blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who respond to this sense of spiritual poverty and the recognition of the mercy they've received from God by being meek and caring to others. And then it says, these are the kind of people who then will be blessed and hunger and thirst for righteousness, and God promises to fill them. It says, for they will be filled. And he describes the qualities of that righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and blessed are the peacemakers. And here's where we are, is that we are filled, and God says, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to make a distinction, if I could, if that's okay. Right from the beginning, I feel like it's important to say something, so I want you to go with me. There is a difference between access to salvation and intimate relationship. Okay, let me say that again, because I want to make sure we understand what Jesus is and what he is not saying. There is a difference between access to salvation and intimate relationship, a deepening relationship. The, the Beatitudes here are not about an access to salvation. Every person has access to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. What I'm not saying is you have to be this, do this, go through this list of things in order to have access to God. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every person who is walking in separation from the hope and healing of Jesus Christ has access through Jesus Christ. He invites us. Are you with me? He invites us, come, come as a child, right? Come full of faith. I, I, it's like, I come, come with exactly who you are, no shame, there is access. Which is why one of the core values of Banner Church is accessible. Missional, accessible, relational, transformational, honorable accessible. We believe God is accessible. We believe the leadership of the church should be accessible. We believe the gospel is accessible. We believe we all should be accessible, right? But also another one of our core values is transformational because we believe that when we encounter Jesus Christ, that it transforms something, that we go from this state of living in rebellion to him to living in relationship with him, and that should transform something. And though Jesus calls us like children to come, we are also called to grow up into that relationship and spiritual maturity. Are you with me? Ephesians 4.14 says, We're not meant to remain as children, but to grow up in every way into Christ. I think of this, um, my daughter Lucy, when she was born, she was like the most beautiful baby. We have some beautiful babies here at Banner Church. We just babies everywhere. We have beautiful babies, um, beautiful babies. And uh, I don't know, fathers, if you were like me, I was like, please, God, let my baby not be ugly. <laughs> That's all I want, Lord. Let my baby be cute, right? I, mean, that, I don't know, that was a legitimate fear. I don't know if you feel, if you would just be honest, you had that fear. Now, not because, see, my wife is beautiful. Uh, I was worried she would come out looking like me, <laughs> and then we'd have a problem. Uh, so I was like, you know, we'll just keep her Instagram presence down, you know, <laughs> we'll fly under the radar. She hits those, like, peak years, and then, you know, she can get her brand out. But uh, <laughs> I, I, 
I, you know, I was, I was worried when she came. I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's so beautiful. And they hand her to me. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this baby, right? And the thing I didn't know about babies is that they don't have good eyesight. The babies, when they're born, like, they can't see for school. It's, like, all blurry. They just see shapes. So when you're, like, in front of the baby, they recognize your shape and your voice and, and your, you know, who you are. And they know, like, three people. So it's a pretty easy to narrow it down. Um, but they just recognize shapes. It's really blurry. And, and I think it would be odd in my, in my mind if my daughter Lucy, as much as I loved her in that stage, if she stayed the same shape and size and had the same blurry vision for 34 years, right? That might affect the deepness of our relationship. There's things that we couldn't do when she was that tiny that we can do now. I was telling Katie, I was like, we can, she's finally getting old enough. We can, like, take her out and teach her to, like, shoot and hunt. And that's, like, an awesome moment for me to think about taking my kid out and, like, having that. You can't do that when they're a newborn. Put a gun in a baby's hands. It just doesn't work out. Some of you have tried, and that's why you're laughing. No, she, <laughs> I know it's Arizona. It's a red state. I figure someone's tried. <laughs> someone's tried. But there's things that we can do because that vision and that relationship is deepened. The, 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 my, my daughter, when, when I receive her, I receive her in all love, and nothing is ever going to change that. I love Lucy today as much as I loved her the minute she came into this world. But there's something greater about re our relationship as she sees more clearly as we spend that time together. Are you with me? As she grows and matures, our relationship also grows and matures. The same thing is true about us and God. We, we come to God as a child, and he receives us. He loves us so deeply, but he longs for us to grow into spiritual maturity, for there to be a deepening of relationship. So how do we deepen that relationship? How do we, how do we grow? How do we deepen that relationship with God? God is amazing and powerful and, and beautiful and, and, and incredible and transformational and continually transformational. How do we grow in that? How do I not just stay a spiritual baby for 30 years, drinking the same milk, living the same sedentary life spiritually? How do I grow? I want to read you a scripture that says, Psalm 24. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Hear me. Purity is a prerequisite to the presence of God. Meaning this. If you want a deep relationship with God... It comes through the spiritual growth that happens in repentance. We have to lay our heart down. You, sure, you can come to God just as you are, receive God just as you are, and live just as you are if you want. But if you really want that deepening relationship, the, the, the better blessing that God talks about here, that Jesus is teaching, it comes from having a pure heart. Are you still with me? I want to give you a little example here. I got this really cool water cup. Thank you, Jake, for filling this up. I have this epic, epic pitcher of water here. I'm going to try to very carefully fill this up and not spill it on this iPad. Hey, there we go. <laughs> I want us to just picture, for the sake of this example, we'll ignore my coffee cup, and we can just see this. Can you all see this? Online, uh, I don't know, tap an emoji if you can see this. Um, but... Let's just imagine that this cup is my heart. This cup is our heart. And this water is the condition of our heart. Are you with me? Everyone good? The cup is our heart. The water is in condition. Now, um, no, no offense to my family, but I was born sinful, and I am a sinful person. I don't know if you knew this. Let me give you a little, like, window into my life. Um, <laughs> that I uh, was a sinner, right? And I... I, I am a sinner, but importantly, I was born just like all of us with a sinful nature, right? So I'm going to take a little bit of this dirt, which is going to resemble uh, sin for the sake of the illustration, okay? I got this dirt from the alley uh, just because I didn't want anybody, you know, <laughs> we have a couple middle schoolers, and middle schoolers will do wild things. And when I ask you later who wants to drink this, I, I, I don't want anyone to say yes because this is gross, <laughs> Right? So, by the very nature of me being a sinful person, this is kind of closer to the condition of my heart, right? Uh, now, this is alley dirt. <laughs> uh, how, 
How would you feel if you drank this? Come on, someone just say it. Sick, yeah. I know you might have grown up in church where you weren't allowed to engage and say anything or laugh. You're allowed to talk here. It's okay. It's cool, guys. It's cool. There's not, a nun's not going to streak down the aisle and slap you with a ruler. You can engage. It's okay. Okay. You're going to get sick. <laughs> so this is not super life-giving, right? If you were to swim in a big body of this, how well could you see? Not very well. How well could you navigate? You're like, listen, you need to dive down with your goggles. I need you to get from point A to point A. There's some sharks. Point A to point B. There's some sharks in here. Maybe like an octopus. I don't know, whatever you guys are scared of. Octopus are scary. Like, how well would you navigate? Probably not well, right? Not, not super well. Okay. I'm going to go through life a little longer. I'm going to hit the teen years here. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> there we go. There it is. Okay. What if I did this? What if I took a little bit of this? This is pretty good water, right? This is good stuff. What if I just added a little more, right? You guys like fresh water. This is Arizona. Some of you are from the Midwest. You're visiting, and so it's already too hot for you. So this is delicious. Would you drink this now? I put some good stuff in there. Would you drink it? But I added good stuff. I don't understand. <laughs> I had a good, it's good stuff, right? It's water. It's good. Okay. Let me ask you a question. I'm adding this. Is this, is it anyone's fault, other than currently my own, that this is, this water is dirty? No. Is it God's fault? No, it's not God's fault. So if I drink this and I experience the consequences and potential death that comes from drinking this alley dirt water condition of my heart, and I were to suffer the deadly consequences of my choices. Is that God's fault? Did God send me to, or in a better way, did God make me do this? No, okay, so God is not the judgmental one here, right? He's not the cruel one here. I have willfully rebelled and disobeyed God. Are you with me? The state, this is the state of my heart. So the question is, how do I make this clean? This is... I really went for it here in second service. This is a mess. How do I make it clean? Someone, how do I make it clean? How do I make it clean? How do I get this? This is nasty. How do I make it clean? I wash it out. I pour it out. Good. Exactly. I pour it out. We'll see how well this one does. I pour it out. Sake of the argument, I'm just going to leave it there because I don't want to knock it over. I pour it out. Could run it, could keep pouring stuff in. I get some good stuff. I could pour some good stuff in, like, oh, well, Gatorade's good. Let me pour that in. Or, like, bam, I'll put a bunch of bleach in it. That bleach cleans things, right? Let me pour some bleach in there. You're like, yeah, now I'll drink it because bleach is a clean. No, right? It must be poured out. It must be poured out. Let me read you a scripture to, to describe this. If you brought your Bible, go with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I'm going to give you a second. I'm going to pour myself a new uh, cup of water here. See if I can do it without spilling this. Oh, man, yes. If you've never uh, public spoke, you know how scary that moment, you know, you might not know how scary that moment is, but that's a real moment. That goes sideways. I don't get it back together. <laughs> so I want you to know that. Um, Let's read Psalm 51. I want to read this, and then I'm going to give you some context, and then we're actually going to come back to it. But I just want you to hear it with this understanding uh, as much as we can. It says this. Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words, and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. 
Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in a sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Powerful message. Sorry, I'm a musician. That click track's been going the whole time. It's been taking all of my work not to speak to that rhythm. And so that had to die <laughs> immediately. I'm sorry. I know that breaks the flow, but whew, my goodness. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Lord, Lord, help us all. Okay, that's scripture. Let's get back to it. That's scripture. King David. King David is, uh, is one of probably the most renowned biblical figures, uh, not only to, to us as believers, but in the Jewish culture, probably, probably even more so. King David is uh, kind of the predominant figure. It's like Moses, Elijah, David, right? David is called a man after God's own heart. What, like in the Bible, he's called that. What a designator, right? That's a quality. You would assume something if you're like, wow, the Bible has designated somebody a man after God's own heart. That's a big-time deal. And uh, we know David deeply, deeply loved the Lord. We know that through David, the lineage, or maybe you don't know, but let me tell you, through David, the lineage of Jesus comes. In fact, the, the messianic promise of the Savior who would redeem the world comes through David. So if you've never heard of David, that's my brief summary to say David is like a big deal, man after God's own heart. If you've ever flipped through a Bible and you got to the middle part and you saw Psalms, you're like, wow, there's a lot of these hymn-looking things that are, are in a, like there's 154 of them. Those, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are written by David. David is like the man. Okay, David is the man after God's own heart. Uh, David is also who wrote that psalm we just read, which is also interesting. See, David, despite being deeply loving and, and deeply in love with God, um, had a similar problem that you and I also have, and that he was a sinner. That David, though, though he was grand and mighty, though he had power and authority, he also had things that he allowed into his life that started small. Are you with me? That started really small and really faint, and he allowed into his life things that God spoke against, that God encouraged him not because God cares about the condition of the heart, that started small and grew. Let me give you an example. 2 Samuel chapter 3. Have you ever read the Bible and you're like, this is a list of names and it's basically meaningless to me? <laughs> Can we be honest, right? Uh, what is this list of names? I'm going to give you a list of names just to show you that even lists of names are important, that all scripture is important. So let me give you a, a, a scripture here, 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 2. I'm going to do my best on these names. So if you have like a master's in Jewish history, I'm sorry. It says, and the sons were born to David at Hebron. His first was Amnon of Ahinoam of Jezreel. And his second, Chileab of Abigail, the widow of Nabal and Carmel. And the third, Absalom, son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. And the fourth, Adonijah, the son of Haggith. And the fifth, Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth, Ithream of Eglah, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. On the surface, we want to read that as a list of sons, which they are important. 
Second on that list, and also very important, is that as a list of wives. Okay, people say, oh, in the Old Testament, they did that all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happen in the Old Testament. Just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean God is commanding them to do it, right? God is not commanding them to take multiple or foreign wives. In fact, he's doing just the opposite. I mean, there's like murder, rape, all kinds of things in the Old Testament, not commissioned by God, right? They don't set the principle of God, right? Here's David. God says, don't marry foreign wives because they will bring the influence in of worshiping foreign gods. For example, one of the big ones, Molech, to whom they would sacrifice infants and unborn children to. That's kind of a big one. If you want to hear about that, you can go listen to our Angels and Demons series. Say, well, it's culture. This is just it. This is what people do, right, in the culture. This is what kings do. This is what people watch. This is what people listen to. This is what's on TV. This is what's on It's not a big deal, but this is culture. This is culture. So this is culture. And culture says, so this is what we do. And, and, and that's fine. And, you know, it, it's just, it's culture. Okay, fine. Let's keep going then. 2 Samuel chapter 11. If you brought your Bible, jump there. If not, I'm just going to throw it on the screen. It says, in the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. It says, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Verse 2 says this. It happened one late afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house. And he saw from the roof a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful and David sent and inquired about the woman and one said is this not uh, is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite so David sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her now she had been purifying herself from uncleanness you can ask your parents what that means later that then she returned to her house the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I'm pregnant. Okay, let me make it abundantly clear here what just happened. We, we don't need to dance around the poetry of it here. David raped somebody, and she got pregnant. He uses authority to take someone else's wife, to take advantage of her, and now she has a baby. Okay? And so we would think, right, now is the time to repent. Now is the time to say, dear Lord, what have I done? I must repent, right? That's what we would do, except it's not. Because human nature loves to just, like, oh, I'll find a way. I'll make a way. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm going to fix it. So David hatches a plan, right? David hatches some kind of plan, and rather than repenting, he sends her back, and here's what happens. Have you noticed that it's getting a little harder to see, right? How easy is it to see through this currently? Can you see, can you see the microphone? Probably not. It's difficult. How clearly, if this is the state of our heart, how clearly do you think David is seeing God in this moment? How clearly do you think his heart is focused upon the principles and wisdom? How, how good of counsel do you think and godly counsel is David seeking right now? I'm not talking about the friends that empower our bad decisions. I'm talking about real godly people that really tell you what you need to hear. You know what I'm talking about, right? So here's what he does. 2 Samuel 11, 6 says, So David sent word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was doing and how the people were doing and how the war was going. You know, small talk stuff. And David said to Uriah, go down to your house, wash your feet. And Uriah went out of the king's house, and there followed him a present from the king. But Uriah slept at the door to the king's house with all the servants of his lord, and he did not go down to his house. Uriah was too honorable. David's like, okay, I understand how men work. He's been in battle for a couple months. He's been around a lot of dudes. He, I'm going to bring him home, put him with his wife. They're going to make a baby. And in like, I don't know, a couple months when this baby's born and it looks conspicuously like me, I'll just say, nah, man, you were also home. Foolproof plan, right? 
even you guys who don't really understand apparently how babies are made know understand that this is, this is not a good plan, right? This is a dumb plan. But Uriah is so honorable. He's like, no, I'm not going home to my wife. I'm going to stay here. If my men aren't going home to their wife, I'm, uh, I'm not going home to, to my wife. Very honorable. So David, of course, in this moment thinks, okay, I'm going to come before the Lord of the temple. I'm going to offer my sacrifice. I'm going to repent, right? Some of you know the story, so you know he does not do that. He chooses instead, okay, we're going to get him drunk. David says, okay, here's what I know. If I can get him drunk and I can get him home, then they're making a baby. Right? So he says, let's get him drunk. And then they'll make a baby. And then, in, you know, eight or nine months when he can speak, you'll see he looks like me. He won't remember because he'll have been so drunk anyways. Interesting choice, right? Everyone's still following. Everyone's still understanding. How clear do we think David's heart is? How clear do we think he's seeing God right now? clear do we think he's focused? So what does he do? Doesn't go home. David hatches a plan. It says, in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, sent it by the hand of Uriah, which is just ruthless. And the letter he wrote, set Uriah in the forefront, the hardest fighting, and then draw back from him that he may be struck down and die. And that's what happened. He gets... Let's give him a whole lot for that. So Joab sends Uriah to the front. And Uriah, being a brave man, an honorable man, goes to the front, which is where you go to die. And they pull back, and he dies. And it says, 2 Samuel eleven twenty six, when Uriah heard that, or when the wife of Uriah heard Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her into his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Yeah. Right? Now, I don't say this to mock David, because I think if there were a book written, a chronicle of my life, there would be moments where in Scripture you would read, and God was displeased with what Josh had done, right? There was a story, there was a book about your life that was ruthlessly uh, open as Samuel is about David. It would say this. In fact, he's the king, so I guess he could have chosen and forced them to not put it in. But it's inspired by, the, by God, by the Holy Spirit. There's a very clear purpose where God is showing this about David. Because it is not just David who steps back from the condition of his heart and goes, I have made a mess. Right? All of us, if we are self-observant, have at moments stepped back from the small decisions that have piled up into our life and thought, oh my goodness, what is going on? I have gone so far. I cannot see anything. God, where are you? I can't see through this. I can't get through this. I am lonely. I am scared. I am overwhelmed. I have sinned. I have gone so far, and now I have this epic mess on my hands. You ever done that? Just stood back and just recognized the state of things in your life? I have. You think, how can this be the man after God's own heart, right? How can all the people in the world that have ever lived, and you chose the rapist murderer to be the man after God's own heart? Bold move, God. But it speaks something powerful to us. There's so much hurt, so much evil, so much disobedience, so much rebellion, so much hurt to others. Right? He's not the only one hurt by this. In fact, 2 Samuel 12, 13 says, David said to Nathan, when Nathan finally comes and confronts him, David doesn't come clean. Someone comes and confronts him. The man of God comes in front, comes and confronts him. That's a scary moment, right? When, like, you, every time we hang out, you keep thinking it's because you're in trouble, right? Because there's something deep down. You're worried. I'm going to say, hey, man, what about this going on in your life? Hey, how come you're watching things you shouldn't watch? How come you're doing things you shouldn't watch? I don't actually know that's happening, but you live with that. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's what David lived with every time he went to the temple, that fear, that concern. Oh, man, what if someone hears? And finally, God tells Nathan, listen, you need to go to him. And Nathan goes to him, and he says, listen, you have sinned. 
There is a consequence. And David says to Nathan in verse 12, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. But look at the consequence here. Look at the, the judgment that's here. Nevertheless, because of this deed, you have utterly scorned the Lord. The child who is born to you shall die. The old covenant, the recognition of the law, there was a very clear justice for justice moment. I'm thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But there still is consequences for our sin. So not only does David hurt himself, but he hurts others, doesn't he? He hurts those around him. And so I want to read to you, in this moment of David going in mourning, he, he has been brought low. He has, he has seen uh, 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 despair. He has seen things happen. He has had the consequences of his sin. He writes Psalm 51 in this moment. The Psalms were written in real moments of life, in real suffering. They are not theoretical. They are real life. And I want to read them to you. So I just want to read Psalm 51 one more time. Here it is. Have mercy on me, O God. Picture David. Picture him in his room. Picture him having recognized the state of his heart here, living in this space, the suffering. He just lost his child, and he's on his knees, and he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquities. Verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God. Picture David in this space on his knees before the Lord writing, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. He says, then I'll teach your transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Look at that. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Now, David obviously lives in a different time than us. And he lives before Jesus came, and, and he lives in a, in a little different interaction with God and, and sacrifice and those kind of things, being in the Old Testament and how they would sacrifice. But the truth still remains that just as David was restored in this moment, God will restore you. That remains constant. The God of restoration did restore, and he is restoring, and he will continue to restore. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Scripture says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How hard is it to see through this heart right here? Very hard. It's hard to see. It's hard to have that clarity to recognize the beauty of his presence and indwelling with him. So the question is, how do I become pure-hearted? Like when I very first poured that, how do I become pure-hearted? Very first thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Become broken-hearted. Become broken-hearted. The very first beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who recognize 
the state of their heart. Blessed are those who recognize the condition, the attitude of their heart. They, they realize the desperate need from God. The very first thing is to become brokenhearted. I know some of you, this is going to hit because you're very critical of yourselves. So you're like, I already think really poorly of myself. That's not what I mean. Some of you are like, I grew up in a really fire and brimstone family. So like, yeah, this hits really. That's not what I mean either, okay? When I'm saying become brokenhearted, I'm saying you can't fix what you don't examine, okay? We can't, God cannot begin the restorative work if we are still hiding things in the bottom of our heart. My wife during pre-service prayer said, in order, uh, it can't be healed if it's hidden. Are you with me? It cannot be healed if it's hidden. It must be brought out to the light. You know, like, I don't like that. It's like, I, I know, I'm sorry. But God is about restoration. We can't fix what we don't examine. It'd be like going into the hospital. You're bleeding from somewhere, and the, the doctor's like, hey, okay, where are you bleeding from? You're like, I don't want to tell you. It's like, okay, well, then you're going to die. Like, and you'd be like, well, that's really unfair. Be like, well, I, that may or may not be. But in order for there to be healing, there has to be revealing, right? You have, to, you have to bring it to the light. You have to bring it up. You have to say, listen, something is broken. Are you with me? Something is not right. I was not created to live this way. This is not, I can't see clearly in my life. Something is not right. Psalm 51. I know my transgressions, and my sin is before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. God, I have rebelled against your perfect will. I have gone willfully against it. This is crucial for life. Listen to me. You're not meant to stay here for a long time. In just a moment, you're going to transition to the fullness. But, but, but listen, this is important. It must start here. It must start here. There are people drinking from this cup. Some of you here today, some of you joining us online, drinking from this cup daily, wondering, why do I feel sick? Why don't I feel good? Why can't I see? God, where are you? Why can't I see the plans and purpose of God for my life? I can't see it. I can't understand. I feel so lonely. I feel so distant from God. Why can't I see him? Why can't I see God? Why isn't he near? But we don't take the time to go, listen, something here is wrong, and I must assess it. God will not leave you here, but you do have to start here. God will not leave you here, but you do have to start here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. They're filled. See, what's awesome is in this moment when you recognize this, the very next moment, that healing begins. Are you with me? So the very first thing is become brokenhearted, but the very next thing is bring your whole heart as a sacrifice. Psalm 51, 16 says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. That image of a sacrifice is so important. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have sacrificed a lamb recently. I have never done that. I don't live in the ancient Near East or in Israel, so I've, I've never sacrificed a lamb, and uh, I hope none of you have also, because um, that would be aggressive and unnecessary um, because of the blood of Jesus. But uh, context, when they would sacrifice in the Old Testament, they would take an animal, they would kill it. So once that happens, animal's not coming back. Then they would take the animal, and they would put it on the altar, and then they would burn it. So it's definitely not coming back, right? We understand that. There was a finality to sacrifice. It was like, here's everything. Light it on fire. And then it goes, and it's gone, right? That's important. It's not like, here's half of a lamb. We're going to keep the other half. It's, here is the whole sacrifice for all of my sin, and that's what they would do. Thankfully, we don't have to do that. Amen? Amen. Thankful there's not just sheep pens around where we have to go occasionally and sacrifice for the sake of our sins. That would be a whole thing, and I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. Find a couple doves or whatever, right? But that's what they would do, but the imagery is still important because we are also called to pour out our whole sacrifice, meaning our whole heart at the feet of Jesus. Why is that important? Because this, if I take, this is the contents of my heart, if I take this and I pour out some of it, right, I pour out some of it, how many of you want to drink it now? 
Now raise your hands. Come on. If you want to get after it, get after it. Oh, no. Okay. Nobody. Of course not. Why not? Okay. What if I fill it back up? Like I went to Bible study this week, guys. Woo. I went to presence night. I got some Jesus time. Right? You know what I'm talking about? You're even leading a small group. You go to a Christian university. Right? Like you got some Jesus in your life. How many of you want to drink it now? Why? Because it's still dirty. Why is it still dirty? Well, because I just poured out some of it. God, I give you my whole life, but I want to keep this relationship. God, I give you my whole heart, but I really want to hold on to this bitterness. Then it's like, well, maybe God's not the answer, you know. God's not been filling me up, so I'm just going to, I'm going to get some other good stuff. This is really good coffee from the cafe. Um, so I'm like, hey, get some money in here, get some finances, get on vacation. And then it's like, well, you know, I do have some leftover time, so I'll get God in here too, um, into my life. Might as well get some God in my life. And then I'm like, okay. I step back, and I assess the condition of my heart, and I'm like, no, I, uh, I still can't see. I still can't see. God, where are you? God, I can't see. I, I don't have vision, plan, purpose in my life. I feel distant. God, why would, you, why would you speak to me? I went to the presence night. I did the thing. I went through all the motions, right? We become like weird, like diviners of his presence. Like if we go and they do that one song and the worship leader stirs the pot, then I'll know the will of God for my life and I'll see him. Turns out that's not it. I mean, I do love that. It's cool. The hard part is, we said, God, I'm going to give you most of me, but I'm going to leave this. God, I'm going to give you most of my heart, but I'm going to leave this part. Some of us, we're just living with that little bit in the bottom, that, that grime, that grit that we refuse to give God, and we keep coming back, and we keep returning. But the reality is we need to be poured out completely. No partial sacrifice. You only rob yourself of the freedom of new life if you do not pour out your heart completely. You're with me? You understand? You were only robbing you. Jesus loves it when you pour out your mess on his feet. That was his ministry. Prostitutes coming before and just weeping and pouring out, and religious people are like, whoa. And Jesus is like, yes, this is why I'm here. I'm here for these people. I'm here for people like me and people like you, right? Pour it out. But we keep that little bit in the bottom. We keep that little, that little bit there saying, I, I want to keep this. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good, acceptable, and perfect. Listen. God loves worship. God loves celebration. God loves study, devotion. God loves that you're here this morning. He loves the gathering of believers. But God does not want you to give him your religion. He wants you to give him your heart. That's what he wants. True religion, to care for widows and orphans, that is important. God wants you to be missional. God wants you to care for your community. But above all, none of that matters if your heart is constantly locked here. Are you with me? God wants you to pour out your heart completely because he loves you too much to only partially do a miracle in your life. It's got to be poured out completely. Poured out entirely. There's a lot in here. What's it going to take to clean this out? Probably some filling. Probably some time, right? I mean, if I take this cup, it's pretty dirty. It's going to take me a second, right? I mean, this cup was really dirty. I really went for it on that one. But this is going to take me a moment. Luckily, <laughs> God is supremely more powerful than me and very equipped at this. We'll see if this overflows. First service, I was much more conservative. Jake got me this big cup. Every time I process, God, purify my heart. God, renew me. God, cleanse me. God, restore me. And God comes. What does he do? When we pour out, God fills us. God restores. God renews. 
See, once it's poured out, it can be totally filled up. See, once we recognize, we become brokenhearted. Once we bring our heart as a whole sacrifice to Jesus, how do we have a pure heart? We be renewed by the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, write that down. Be renewed by the Holy Spirit. Don't do the other two and forget this. This is the big one. Be renewed by the Holy Spirit. In fact, band, you guys could come up. Verse 10 of Psalm 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now this is important. God is not going to take the Holy Spirit away from you because you sin. That's not what he's saying here. Um, now, again, you got to remember, David is like pre-Pentecost, but David is very understanding the Holy Spirit is part of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's been active since creation. And David loves the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Spirit. But what he's saying here very clearly is, I want to see you clearly, to dwell with you completely, because I know the richness of your presence. I know the richness of a life with you. I love the life where I see you clearly. It's life-giving. It's restoring. Tastes half decent. There's still a little bit left in there. There's a longing to dwell with the Holy Spirit, to be renewed, to be filled by Him. Why? Well, a couple of things. One, the Spirit dwells with every believer. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Spirit dwells with you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For in one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free. We're all made to drink of one spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Meaning this, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of the complete work that God will do in the final resurrection and when the kingdom of God comes to earth. The Holy Spirit's with you. But the Holy Spirit also continually renews us. The Holy Spirit is at work within us. The Holy Spirit strengthens, uplifts, renews our mind, brings forth the fruit of the Spirit, works in the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work in our life. And so when Psalm 51 10 says, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me, we have the Holy Spirit that renews our spirit, that lifts, that stirs, that strengthens. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Do not be foolish, but understand the will, what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Here's my question. You have received the Holy Spirit, but have you also allowed something to come in and make the water of your heart unclear, to muddy the water, to inhabit that space, to take what is supposed to be so clear? Now, it's a little distorted because, you know, the shape of it, but to see clearly, to look clearly through it. Have you allowed things to come in and to begin to stir into that space? Have you given room for the Spirit, or have you made a mess? What what have you done? What decisions have you made that said, God, I, I, I believe that you, you are with me, and yet constantly I'm making these decisions to muddy the heart. See, when we pour our hearts out and we are filled by Him, we're renewed by Him, it's freshness, it's life, it's hope, it's healing. Amen? Romans 12, 2, like I just read, says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing that may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. I love spiritual clarity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Why will they see God? Because they earned something. No, but because they surrendered everything. If you want to see God more clearly, then you have to surrender your heart completely. That's it. Purity is a prerequisite. And the 
presence of God. It says, I want to go deeper with you, God. I want to see you more clearly. Not only that, I want to see others the way you see them. I want to see my family the way God sees them. How am I going to do that if I can't even see God? I want to see my relationships more clearly. How am I going to do that if I just leave all this sediment in the bottom of my life and every time I go and get filled up, it just stirs it back up again and here I am again. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. God, show me something. But can I just tell you, today is the day to just surrender the entire contents of your heart. Every hurt, every bitterness, every frustration, every anger, every addiction, every continuance, every space that you're in, you know you shouldn't be in a relationship you're in, you know you need to release all the actions and the things you're walking through and the condition of your heart, whatever it is for you, today is the day to just lay that, pour that at the feet of Jesus completely and say, I trust you to fill. You don't earn this. God gives it to you, but you have to surrender. Got to become brokenhearted. We're going to bring our whole heart as a sacrifice and be renewed by the Spirit. How many of you today are ready to see God more clearly in your life, to drink of the fresh, cool, living water of Jesus Christ, to no longer be caught in the muddy unclarity of constantly hidden sin, and are ready to just say, Jesus, I repent of everything, and I receive the renewal and the hope in life that comes through you. Because you don't have to go a moment longer in that space. The Holy Spirit's here to renew you today. Would you stand with me? I love this song the band's about to sing. I was joking with them before that this would be kind of a scary song. <laughs> Amen. This would be kind of a scary song if uh, uh, this was a religion about judgment and punishment rather than a relationship about love. The song, I think it's called Refiner's Fire, right? And like anytime, yeah, whatever, fighting, doesn't matter. Every time we mentioned fire in church, we were like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> but I love the idea of this song. You know, when they refine gold, they heat it up, and then all the impurities come up, and they, they scrape off the top, and they heat it up, and they scrape off the top. All the impurities just come to the surface. What they get is just this beautiful, this beautiful gold that we see that, that is, you know, of measurable price, right? It's beautiful and perfect. And see, it's by and encountering the love of God and His great mercy as we surrender that He refines our heart. And He restores us to the beautiful thing that He created us to be in perfect unity with Him. And today, God wants to do that for you, to refine your heart by the refiner's fire. Not an act of punishment, but an act of mercy and love not to hurt you, but to make you beautiful and restore. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Today, if you're in this place, maybe you've never made this choice, and maybe today you need to make it again. You're saying, my heart, there are things in my heart that I need to surrender completely to Christ. There are bitterness. Maybe there's lust. Maybe there's hidden sins. Things that have control over your heart. And when you come to the altar, you, you do give part of your heart. But today, God's saying, give me all of your heart. That there might be hope and healing through Jesus Christ. That you might drink of the fresh, cool water. That you might be restored to the beauty I created you by the refining love of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. If that's you today, I just want to invite you. If you're saying, God, I want to give you my heart completely, would you lift your hands with me? I'm going to lift my hands with you as well. God, everything in my heart, I want to give you. That's you today, God. Everything, everything, anything I've been holding on, maybe something you've been holding on to for years, and it just pulls at your heart. It's almost become part of your identity. So it's so hard to give it up because it's been an identifier. It's an addiction that you've overcome, but it's identified you for so long. It's, it's hard to, to give it over completely. Maybe it's someone hurts you when you hold on to that bitterness because that is the, the, the power that you feel you have. But 
today, you're just like, I release it. Maybe, maybe it's just selfishness and pride, and you're like, God, I give it. Maybe it's just anxiety that you've allowed to take root in your life, and you're going to release it to him today. But you say, God, I give you the contents of my heart, and I want to pray for you before our band leads, and I just want to encourage you as I pray for you, just to say, Jesus, I give you, and then whatever it is, it's between you and Jesus. With our hands lifted up, Jesus, we say to you, we give you the contents of our heart. God, for those maybe who have never chosen to follow you, they say today in this moment, Jesus, I choose to follow you completely with my heart. God, for those who have followed you, God, we just pray all of us in this room today, Jesus, we give you our hearts completely. We pour out, God, our hearts at your feet. God, like the woman who came before your feet and broke open the, the perfume and began to wash your feet and, and poured it out as a fragrant aroma. God, we take our heart and we break it open at the feet of you, Jesus Christ, at the foot of your cross. And we ask, Holy Spirit, today, would you renew us? Would you create in us a clean heart? Would you renew a steadfast spirit in us? Would you refine us? God, even the thing right now, God, I, I just sense in this place, Holy Spirit, that there is something that is trying to hold root in the heart and identity of someone here today. And I break that by the power of Jesus Christ, by his blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you are not identified by the sin that you have held on to. You are released in the name of Jesus from the bitterness that is in your heart today, from the perspective that is in your heart today. God wants to release you. So Jesus, we pray right now, would you refine our hearts? Would you renew our hearts? And would you restore our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you restore us today? Wherever you are, I just invite you in this moment, begin just speaking to Jesus. Begin inviting the Holy Spirit. Say, would you renew me? God, would you renew my heart? Maybe begin to pray over the church this morning. Begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you begin to create repentance? If you need to repent of something right now, repent to the Lord. Say, God, I give you this. I lay my heart down. I surrender it to you. I've been holding it. I lay it down right now in the name of Jesus. Begin to pray over this place by the power of the Holy Spirit and be released in the name of Jesus as we worship you.